0: Most young guys or young women are not going to be able to start up a business from scratch and have it really turn into a major life-sustaining, lifetime income kind of program. Similarly, the older business owners, men and women, if they think somebody's coming along for their small business that wants to give them $2 million or $5 million and have a job, they're also fooling themselves. And that's in between those two is where this internal succession really comes into play. This is the way I'm going to keep my business going without me having to keep it going, give this young person an opportunity, give me a an income that is decent. Welcome to Get Invested on the Property Hub podcast channel, the leading
1: weekly show to help you unlock your full self-health and wealth potential. I'm your host, Bushy Martin, and each week, I go deep with the best investors, experts, leaders, and founders to find out what it takes to break free from the grind, discover freedom, and live by design. Subscribe now and join me, and get invested in the life you really want. Let's get started. Hi, friend fighters. This week, we continue with part two of our great conversation With Bill Heastand. Last week, we dug into Bill's own internal business succession investment journey and success story. And this week, we dive into his great book on investing in insider succession through what he calls the Ownership Ladder, which has actually been retitled The Ultimate Career Path How a Smart Employee Can Buy Out the Boss. If the goal of investing your time, energy, and money is ultimately to create an ongoing regular cash flow income, that will continue to fuel your lifestyle long-term, and you're a small business owner or a small business employee, why wouldn't you consider investing in your business that can achieve this, in return for your years of hard work and dedication? It's the investment opportunity that's invisible and has been staring us all in the face because it's right under our nose and so obvious that we don't even see it. So listen carefully to discover an unrealized investment opportunity that you have actually more control over than any other. Now, before we get into it, I want to ask you a big favour that will only take you a few seconds of your time. About 72% of you that watch the Property Hub podcast don't subscribe. So if you've ever enjoyed our shows and videos, can you please do us a favour and hit the subscribe button? It helps our channel more than you know, and I promise you that the bigger the channel gets, the bigger the guests are going to get, and the bigger the content is going to get. And if you're enjoying the Property Hub and you'd like to ask more questions of our guests or our team of experts, or you want to leave your comments and feedback, Just join and jump into our newly launched Property Hub Collective interactive Facebook community, where you can keep the conversation going with other like-minded, hardworking Aussies in a safe place without fear of ever being sold to. Just search on Facebook for the Property Hub Collective, or click on the link in the show notes, and we look forward to connecting with you and seeing you there. In the meantime, let's dive into Bill Heastan's great book, so enjoy, and let's get invested. Now I want to turn to your great book on Insider Succession through what you very affectionately refer to as the ownership ladder, and, and the, the I think there's been a few iterations of the title, but the current title, The Ultimate Career Path, How a Smart Employee Can Buy Out the Business. So to set the scene around this, Bill, uh, what mistakes do you see small business owners making in that regard?
0: One of the things you said just a few minutes ago is... Is a key, and that is, you have to find a way in yourself. So you have to—I don't know—a better way to say it, except you have to grow up enough to say, "I need to become irrelevant to this business." Yeah, and the—and be prepared, because I actually, even though I spent lots of time thinking about that. When I became irrelevant to the business, it was a shock to me because suddenly these two people owned the business, and I would go into the meeting with them, and I was thinking, you know, I need to tell them this, go this way. And they, they were like, they were going that way, and I was, you know what, that's a really good idea. Shut up. <laughs> And so then – so that the thing that um, – the thing I would say is you have to cultivate in yourself the rest of the interest package. If it's, if it's all about the business and your entire entity – identity is wrapped up as the business. In my case, it was the HeStand company. And shortly after I wasn't an owner anymore, it was not the He Stand company anymore. And, and um, so to be prepared for that, to prepare it to happen, because it is the business, if you do that, the business can succeed and survive. And if the ultimate goal is the business keeps sending you checks because it succeeds and survives, then it's actually a small price to pay to have to put my ego aside and say that part of me is not the centerpiece of my life anymore and go about finding what is what is it what is your life about and so you have to put attention on that and and i talk about that in a in a couple of different ways in the book that we'll probably get to but that i think to set that as an expectation for yourself, and to be able to have to actually hire professionals to help you with that. I mean, like a psychologist or a business coach or somebody to say, you know, I know this business has to survive me, and therefore, I can't be the main cog in the middle of the machinery anymore i have to plug somebody else in there i have to trust them i have to do the work on myself to be able to let that happen
1: beautifully said it did and it, it, that uh, as you would know better than i uh, for a lot of uh, business owners that's a that's a, a big challenge uh, to get over themselves in, in that context but they've got to think about the the long term game what what are they actually trying to do here they they're trying to build a an empire to their ego, or are they trying to create a lifestyle exercise that's going to fund fund that lifestyle ongoing and allow others to grow and, and prosper at the same time? I think you know the the shift away from the self to the, you know, from the me to the we is a really important distinction in all of this that a lot of people really need to start thinking about and, and think beyond today to next year and 10 years and 20 years time, which is really key. So look, uh, I know uh, there's been a lot of your journey that's inspired uh, your book. Uh, Just to sort of get into the book then, uh, can you tell us why you wrote it? What are the key messages and who's best suited to have a read?
0: Sure. Um, I wrote it partly because that was, uh, it, it was my personal journey. After I retired, I said, okay, what is next? And I, and I thought, well, coaching. I'm going to get into coaching. And then I started reading about coaching, and they said write a book. And, and then I started looking at writing the book, and I realized I have, I have this huge wealth of experience that was my career path and my business path, and that's what I should write about. And so that's how the that's how the book came to be. It was a um, it was a great way to spend the the first. I mean, the first uh, year and a half of my retirement was kind of logistics. So we bought an RV, we drove around the U.S. one summer, literally a, a triangle from Portland, Oregon, to Portland, Maine, to San Diego, California, via North in Michigan. So it was kind of a figure eight, actually. And um, then deciding we we're going to move to to Central Texas and getting that whole thing done and settling into a new house. So there, that took some time. But once the kids were in school and our new place, and here we were, I was free to start thinking about what what do I want it to look like? And I realized... You know, I really don't want to do the blocking and tackling it takes to be a coach. I would rather put it out there in the form of of a book. And you know, it, the the amazing thing about the the way the internet works is this guy named Bushy Martin from Australia looks me up on Facebook one day and says, "Hey, I've read your book, and I have to know more about it." And um, you know, that was that was uh, that and this. Is really a, a great outcome from that.
1: Yeah, I love it. I love, it. And, and you're right. The, what I love about books and, and podcasts are the same, by the way. They sit there forever, and you never know who's going to tap in and and have a read. So as a as a legacy piece uh, to encapsulate all of that, yeah. it's just a great way to help others to enjoy uh, the success and the and and what you've done. But uh, Bill, uh, underneath the book, then. Uh, I'd love for you, because it's a it is a great read. Uh, and it's you know, I, I love the way you've broken up into really bite-sized chunks. Uh, you cover off some really good topics that you know, once you've read the whole thing, it sort of brings the whole jigsaw together. So you've got a better understanding of how that works. But I'd love for you to break down how you define succession uh for the ownership ladder, if you could, force. Please.
0: Yes. So succession is the process that That we've been talking about in the first part, which is it is the first getting clear that there, for most small businesses, unless you occupy a, a, a really unique niche, most small businesses have to be managed and run by the owner. And so, if you once that's true, there then you got to realize well this business may be valued at 2 million 3 million 5 million but a person who could write a check for that kind of money doesn't want a job they they have no interest in a job and so you you have to start to look at your business and say is it really something that can roll up into something bigger now um let's just use an example there in, uh, in my former state of Oregon, there was this guy who started up these oil change places, and he called them Oil Can Henry's, and then Pennzoil bought them, and then they were really bad at it, and he bought it back, back turned it back into Oil Can Henry's, sold it again to some other oil company, bought it back, and then I, I'm not sure what happened, but you know... Sometimes you're in a position to where where it's it's something logical that somebody big who has a really big checkbook who doesn't need a job, Pennzoil didn't need a job, they wanted to have uh, oil change facilities, and everybody needs an oil change, and drive-through oil change is really the, the way people like to do it these days. Yep. Um, if you have that kind of business, then you can look at external acquisitions but most of us have small businesses with people who we've been working with who have helped us become successful and some have had to come and go but a lot of people stick around with a whether you small for a long time yeah and finding a way to sell your business and have it continue, and recognizing that it's it's not impossible to have a family member be that person, but it is not that common. The number of family, I, don't, I forget what, what the statistic is, but it's pretty miserable, the number of family successions that actually work. But the number of external successions has a much greater potential because the interests are much more diverse. The person who's buying it needs their own lifestyle income program. They need a career for life. And you want to have an an exit from the business where you get checks and you don't have to be bothered with that day-to-day operations anymore. Uh, so the that's, the the definition of a succession plan is to get real about your business. What what is its real story? Does somebody want the job of running that business? And is there a big entity that is looking to roll those kind of businesses up? If it is, well then you have you may decide that's a better strategy. But it's so rare that um you know the the statistics are that most small businesses they die why do they die because the owner tries to stay in the saddle long after they're actually capable of making the business continue to function and, and you know functioning business is happy clientele and happy clientele means they They call you up for some reason. They want to, they want your stuff. If you're not really in a position, you know, let's just say you're off in your vacation home for a month, but you really haven't put the pieces in place so that when that client calls, they get their needs met. They're going to call somebody else. They're going to be the customer that never came back. And that's, you want to keep the customers and, and part of it. Now, it, it depends on the business, but in in your business and mine and in a lot of small businesses, they really are personal relationship businesses. And so it's really important to start introducing the successor, not as the successor initially, because you don't know if they are. But bringing them along in the meeting, including them in the program and letting them talk, letting them have a role, sending them there by themselves without you. And just letting them get the experience of knowing how it really works. And and that's how you create a succession. And that's that's really part of uh, kind of describing what a mentoring process is as well.
1: Absolutely, I, it's a really important distinction. And, and if I give our example and our know-how business, Bill, uh, we've for many years now we we focus on the know-how system uh, and the know-how team and family, not not me or any other individual in it. So so we're always uh, promoting uh, the way we do things uh, rather than an individual. Uh, and we're all always promoting the the family spread across the business with recognition that every cog in that machine is as important as everyone uh, other so when someone does business with us they don't doesn't matter who they deal with they're still going to enjoy the the same experience at the end of the day and uh I think that again that's mm-hmm. a very really key definition to, to to take the the uh spotlight. Off yourself as the founder in particular and recognize that the, the vehicle that you've created is more important than the person looking in the mirror. So, uh, Bill, uh, in the book, I, I love the way you define compound wealth because, uh, again, it's something that uh, I've focused a lot of my uh, time and thinking about over the years. Would you mind sort of uh, running us through your definition of compound wealth and how this applies to a small business and succession process?
0: Yeah, and what what I would like to do though is is refer to the book, okay? Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, um so I put uh I put a bunch of uh of uh, flags in the book here so we could we could talk about some of that. Yeah. Um so compound wealth is the cash flow of the business that continues to circulate. Yeah. It, the business has wealth only because it has cash flow. The desks and the chairs, like what's behind you, the windows, those can all be moved. Those You could put your office somewhere else. You could get different chairs and desks. You could get different signs. You can even get a different name. But the cash flow that keeps moving through the business is what I'm calling compound wealth. Yeah. And because as the cash flow grows, it creates uh, a more and more valuable business in itself. Now, most of our businesses sell for some multiple of cash flow. So if the multiple is 3x, if your cash flow is 200,000, well, your business is worth 600. Yeah. If it's a million, well, it's worth $3 million. And so it's that cash flow that I call compound wealth because as you grow the business, you are compounding the wealth of the business. And then it's that same cash flow that is the funding vehicle for your retirement. Now, that's that's actually, for some small business people, uh, kind of a hang-up. That's my money. It's a it's a golem, you know the the, the Tolkien books. It's a golem like uh, my precious, you know. <laughs> you really have to, to to let go of that and say it's the business's money. The business is over here. I'm over here. I want the business to send some of that money to me after I'm no longer there working for it. And so you put that together with the idea that most of our buyers aren't going to have a full-size check they're not going to have six hundred thousand they're not going to have three three million because at that scale the person has to be needing a job and anybody with that kind of money doesn't need a job so the business owner has to get over that it's just a hurdle and and that's why I say maybe you're going to have to get a coach, maybe you're going to have to get work with a business psychologist to really get through whatever it is that you're personally attached to. What's that idea that you you are so stuck on that says, I can't view this business separate from me? Once you do that, then then compound wealth is the business and its ability to keep percolating money, now I'm going to tell you what happened, ultimately in my business. Yeah. Because it is no longer sending me checks. Yeah. But it's the good way. It's not sending me checks. Not the bad way. <laughs> These two ladies were so, uh, so good at what they did that actually a larger and it couldn't have happened with me in place. I was too old and I wasn't thinking the new way. But they were so good that a larger company saw them and said, we want you as part of our national organization, and we want you to run the northwestern part of the United States for us, as well as, and so we want you to run the businesses in the northwest that otherwise we're going to buy. And when that transaction happened, they sent me a check to cash me out. Now, that actually created a problem for me mm. because I now had to be in the position of turning a lump of money into an ongoing cash flow, and um, so that's that's partly why it's important to also do your, your retirement savings on your own. Your business is not your whole retirement plan. It's your government is not your whole retirement plan. you need to have multiple places from which cash flows because you know, the good side of that was I am mortgage free. I am debt free. yep anything that was related to uh, to you know, you, you you same principle a person buying a a large house generally doesn't have a check the size of that large house. so, that allowed me to own my house. It allows me to fund family vacations and do uh, do other things that I want to do. So that's you know that's not as it's not that typical. But because we had grown a business to be the type of diverse entity that it was, it made it really attractive when there were two owners in there. Who were young enough, who really knew what they were doing, so that's part of the mentoring process. You could position your your buyers to actually do the bigger transaction, and in I, I don't I forget how many they have five to seven years of of earnout uh, where where they have to meet certain goals, but yeah, they will be ridiculously wealthy. So this is another thing of the the business owner has to get over. Yeah somebody else may become more ridiculously wealthy than you are for having started the business and gone through the 30 years of pain to grow the business it's just how it's just how it works out
1: yeah and and the,
0: the... ideally you will just position them to be that successful that they'll either keep it going for the duration of their payout to you or they will cash you out and
1: I I think there's the the opportunity not just for the owner but for the the successionists as I as I'm going to call them because and if if the if that's given you what you want who uh, who cares what happens to the next generation and in fact I think it's a blessing. The next generation does better because it means that, in terms of your legacy, you've not only assisted yourself and your family's uh, long-term lifestyle, but you've uh, helped help grow the opportunity for others. So, I, I just think, from a mentality perspective, the the giving aspect over the getting aspect is is far more fulfilling to me personally than the than the reverse. But, uh, but Bill, we've talked a lot about the. Uh, the uh, owner side of the equation, I'd love for you to share the, the types of qualities and skills that the insider uh, successionist needs and uh, what what uh, do they need to be doing to, and to cultivate a successful business transition?
0: Yeah, that's a, that's a, a bit of a trickier equation because there's, <clears throat> I don't think you can, encapsulate just a thing but that's part of why i wrote the book the way i did was it is it is more about teaching the successor how to get their mindset settled yeah how to um how to really have the goal and the passion and the purpose and i actually have a a chart in the book that that is um i'm gonna flip to it here it's on it's on page 150 and uh i don't know if the camera nah, the camera is not gonna well, there it is kind of hard to see yeah um but it's a triangle at the at the top is goals and then passion and then purpose and that's where motivation comes from in in my estimation and and that's if you have a motivated person it's not if they're if they're motivated because they just want to be rich that's it's that's probably a good indicator that something's not quite right. Yeah. But if if they have a goal and a passion and a purpose and that's what creates the motivation. Yeah you you can tell from that that the person is somebody who has the internal um, goods, let's say, yeah. to to really carry forward and make the thing a success. <clears throat> so I I I think you have to as an the way I frame it in the beginning of the book is the owner should read it and then give it to the person or people that they think are those guys. Yeah. And say to them, you know, I think this is interesting. Let me know what you think. Yeah. That's going to tell you a lot. Yeah. The ideal right. person, I think, is going to a few weeks later come to you and say, "Are you, are you serious about that? Do, is that what you're telling me that you would trust me to buy the business from you?" Yeah. That's the kind of conversation you want. Yeah. The person who you haven't heard from for a month, well, you know, you have your answer. <laughs> it just they're off the thing. exactly. They're not it. Yeah, and maybe everybody you have in mind is mm-hmm. that one. Now I had a I had a person locally here who was a friend in my um one of the ways I I fill my retirement time and and have have fun with is I'm a in a Toastmasters Club. Yep. and a woman in the Toastmasters Club, I was talking a lot about this book early on as I was writing it and then doing uh, speeches on it. And she said, you know I have this business. I really need to do it. and And, and so we talked about it a bit and she presented it to her employees and they were like, oh, no, we're scared. you know so that too is your message. <laughs> but she I talked to her recently, this was a couple of years ago. I talked to her recently, and she actually has somebody now in place who is starting to be that person. So you want to get if you're if you're 65 already and you're thinking, okay, I want to do a deal in the next year, well I, I think you gotta extend your timeline a bit. Yeah. Ideally if you're 45 that's or 50, that's the time to start yeah. thinking about this and looking at the at your people and <clears throat> Looking at yourself, that gives you time to to actually grow the people. Yeah,
1: beautifully said. Now, for those that are going, this sounds really interesting, yeah, uh, to me. Whether they're an owner or or a potential successionist, uh, can you put some shape around uh, what kind of business is best suited and and perhaps not best suited to the ownership ladder internal succession approach? Uh,
0: you know, I wouldn't say that there is. Uh, a business that is not suited for it yeah. as much as and unless it's the kind of professional enterprise where everybody has to have a certain kind of licensing. Doctors and lawyers and CPAs, they, they have to do their own uh they, they have to do their own thing. Um but if if the business has a cash flow in a predictable way to create cash flow and a way of doing business that is, um, it may not be that special to it, but it there's a personality to a business that people choose to, in my case, there were, there were there's uh, in the United States, there's at least a million people in my, in my, the small city of portland where there's less than a million people total there, there's there was thousands of people yeah. who were in that business yeah so <clears throat> that nevertheless there was something about the way we approached it we didn't get some clients because we didn't approach it the way other guys do and we got clients because they liked the way we approached it so it's it's more about do you have a a way you do business that is attractive to clients? Yeah. And in in your industry, bushy, you know, there there's other people who do what you do. Sixteen thousand. They have them. a sixteen thousand completely different in- way of doing yeah. it. Yeah. What's that?
1: There's about sixteen thousand yeah. of them in, in Australia, which is a big big number in Australian terms. Uh, but the 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 yeah. difference is always the why, uh, uh, because as you've you've said very well, there's a lot of people uh, in our game just for, for the money. It's all about the coin. Uh, we're we're about uh, helping people to achieve their lifestyle goals uh, with finance as as one of the exercises going to help them get there, and that 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 the fun. And the care that we bring to the transaction, not not just to the the individual transaction, but to building a, a lifetime relationship with the we the people we help, is the is the bit that differentiates us from the rest. Uh, because it's you know we often say using that expression, it's it's not uh, it's never how much you know, but it's how much you care. That makes a difference, and that's very much the motto for for what we do. So you, you you've hit on something very special there, and that that is the, the 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 passion, the purpose of the of the people in the business, and the interaction that creates that that growth opportunity. That's really important here. Now, you've already covered off on the what I was going to ask you, and that is how does an owner, and internal successor, start? Read your book is where I'm going to point everyone and I'll I'll get to tell us where where they can get that shortly. But before we do that, Bill, I just want to sort of jump into what I affectionately refer to as the ambush fast forward round or the bushfire lightning round uh, uh, playing off my uh, nickname. Uh, So the first of those, Bill, is
0: what's your favourite quote and why? Okay. Well, one of, uh, I mentioned uh, Tony Robbins early on and he had the early iteration of podcasting and he had the, he sent out CDs once a month for uh, quite a few years called power talks. You can still find them around. He interviewed a lot of people. One of the people he interviewed was Deepak Chopra who had a, a process of creating wealth. And what he said was, have the desire, release your attachment to the outcome. And that has always been really uh, a, a part of my internal DNA. Yeah. Because And especially in this kind of approach, you know, an attachment to the outcome is I would like Mary, in my case, on January 1st of, you know, 2017 to be exactly here well we're humans we, we're we having this experience that has all kinds of uh, twists and turns and we got kids and kids throw us a lot of curveballs we got to <laughs> respond to and and business events and world events happen so if you know that that idea of having having that desire to transact my you know, have a successor, buy my business, be retired with the business supporting me. That's the desire. Yeah. The attachment to the outcome has to be, uh, you have to let it go. And yeah. in, in the sense of that, you, the idea of micromanaging the small details down to the second is part of you know, some people have these goal setting processes that are, you name the goal, and you name the micro steps that you're going to take, and you name the date that it's going to be done, and you're, you know, if you haven't done it by that date, well, you know, all, all bets are off, and it's, that just, that kind of uh, goal con- concept to me has never worked. It's, it's really got to be, I'm progressing towards the goal, and sometimes I I get a goal and I go, eh. you know, I had the, in, in Oregon, we had this house that was actually part of the goal. These windows looked out at this mountain range with this mountain peak and the sun would literally rise in, a, you know, just a few weeks ago. I have pictures coming in from my cloud storage, you know, this on this day and the sun would rise right behind the peak on a day, you know, near the equinox of the position of uh where where it was and so you know i had the house yeah. but it was in a place that rained a lot yeah and actually couldn't see that mountain that often so you know i had to, to like go with that attachment
1: <laughs> yeah i love that i, I often say so that's that, the
0: that's the quote
1: yeah it's a great quote and i've, I've often said that uh, life's not a road map it's a gps so we might have a, a an idea where where we're heading, but we're we're going to get off track occasionally. As long as the GPS is still guiding us towards the the destination at some point, then then and allow it to happen rather than trying to make it happen. Then it's probably going to be a more enjoyable journey as well. But uh, yep. switching back to the book front for a minute, apart from your awesome book, Bill, what's the top book that you'd recommend we read and why?
0: I have uh, I have a really diverse set of interests and very few books. That I have uh, read are business books. So I'm, I'm going to mention a a business book that my dad gave me uh, by this guy named Mark McCormick, and it's and he has a series of them about swimming with the sharks. Yeah, and um, you know from a from a business point of view, he really was uh, he was a good mentor in a certain way. Yeah. And um, otherwise I'm I am more of a, uh, a a personal growth kind of reader. Yep. So I mentioned Deepak Chopra, yep. I mentioned Tony Robbins, I'll mention Wayne Dyer. Yep. And particular titles are less important than the ideas that these guys bring forward. And and what they what they help me understand is that it's it's okay to be uh non-tactical i'm going to i'm going to choose that term for right now yeah. so much so many business books are tactical yeah you got this and then you got to do that and and it's really they're very for me they were my business was never like the businesses that were being written about in those books and it just never worked i tried to plug some of those ideas in it was like no, that's it's just not how it happens yeah. and for me and in our business. Um, so I'm I'm more uh, I'm more oriented towards people like like Deepak and Wayne and and Tony that that really help you understand how do we work? Yeah. How can we get ourselves to be the best version of ourselves? So that whenever we address whatever it is in life, then we're really well positioned to be able to, um, you know, it, it's, uh, it's maintaining positivity among other things, totally. especially as a small business owner. There are so many events and issues that can happen that can really cause the business big problems. Yeah. Slow things down. you got to borrow money to keep it going. You know, people, a key person decides they're going to go to work for, some, you know, Jumbo Company X. And now you've got to start over and groom somebody new. You know, all of that stuff happens in small business. And being able to, uh, you know, to, to keep your center, to, to uh, be able to. Look at it and and be more uh, observant about it, rather than totally reactive and kind of a you know a, an emotional basket case of, over it. Is what why I've mentioned those authors. Yeah.
1: Love it, love it. I'm I'm gonna jump now uh, uh, to, to get you to summarise our a great conversation today, Bill, uh, and and talk to us about what are the key takeaways and actions that aspiring business owners and successionists to, uh need to uh to take on board from what you've shared with us
0: i think that the ideas we've talked about are are really broad they cover uh, you know for me nearly nearly my entire lifetime yeah. so a, a key takeaway is to not get in too much of a hurry to see it as a to see it as a process and to understand that there are multiple ways to become a business owner. Some people can up with an idea, start up a business and become uh, mega wealthy. And most people can't. Most people just aren't an Elon Musk. They're not a Bill Gates. They're not. They're not a Tony Robbins. Yeah. They, you know, we're just we're more. Um, we're, we just don't have that big of an idea that we can share with people that move people, to you know, come along with us and and make us you know the top of the pinnacle. Um, yeah. So view it as a as a process but understand that most startup businesses don't succeed yeah and and most small businesses don't survive yeah and that's a big reason i wrote because if the young guys aren't going to be able to not all of them some of them will but Most young guys or young women are not going to be able to start up a business from scratch and have it really turn into a major life-sustaining, lifetime income kind of program. Similarly, the older business owners, men and women, if they think somebody's coming along for their small business that wants to give them $2 or $5 million and have a job they're also fooling themselves. And that's in between those two is where this internal succession really comes into play. Um, You and I talked about this earlier that at a certain point in this process, you're going to have, you as the owner and the successor are going to have to be certain enough and determined enough that when your lawyers and CPAs who have to get involved in the project look at you and say are you crazy go find a buyer go find somebody with a big check you know they they're just they, they're not really dealing in reality uh, absolutely and and so you have to be determined to say no this is what we're doing because this is the way i'm going to keep my business going Without me having to keep it going, give this young person an opportunity, give me a an income that is decent. So in that, the owner has to be realistic and say, you know, what can the business sustain? Because the person who's going to get the job that you had, they got to have a good income. So if you're taking too much out of the business, and they can't have a good income without selling double what you ever sold. Um, why don't they just go start their own business and sell half of what you ever sold and they'll be happier and, and you won't have a successor. So yep. your income program has to fit into the business's financials. Yeah, And it has to make the the new owner really happy yeah. because a really happy new owner is not going to want to blow that up. They're going to want to make it so that they're happier. And the way they can be happier is to keep paying you what will ultimately hopefully turn out to be a relatively small amount of money to them. Exactly. So you're, as the business owner, your goal should be the person you're growing is actually better at the business than you ever were. Cause you if they are, think. yep, you're successful doing nothing yeah. or whatever you choose to be doing. And they're really happy. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's a That's it's a, a real it's a true win win uh, situation that you don't see very often. Uh, just to close out, then Bill, uh, for those that are really resonating with what we're talking about today and can see the opportunity before them, either as a an owner or a potential successionist, uh, where can they get copies of your awesome book, The Ultimate Career Path: How to How a Smart Employee Can Buy at the Boss? So
0: there, it is on Amazon both in kindle and uh, paperback format. So um they I believe the link is in the show notes. Yes. In uh in Australia if you happen to be listening to it elsewhere, you go on to your local Amazon and if you put in my name uh the Amazon is funny. It's uh, some of the original titles of the book that didn't uh didn't move as as well as the the this title uh, still show up, and then it says it's out of print, and so um, but if you put my name in, or if you put in how a smart employee can buy out the boss, yeah, you will find it. Again, I it. also mention a uh, a guy I met in the process of of promoting this book, wrote a similar book, and I and I uh, encourage you to read it. It's called Hire Your Buyer. Don't and um. Yeah. Now I can't think of John's last name.
1: Mills. But John Mills.
0: John Mills. Yeah. Canadian guy. Uh yeah. similar similar notion, a bit more tactical, I think, but you know, between the two books, um you can you can really get a a clear idea as the business owner. And if you are an employee who says, you know, I'd really like to get my owner to sell me this business. Getting yourself educated, especially on the statistics around how many small businesses there are, how few actually successfully sell. Um, that's 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 clear. That's yeah. key because you can educate your owner to the uh, to the reality that you're probably their greatest best hope.
1: What I'm just saying. Beautifully said, Bill. Uh, we could talk for hours on this subject. Uh, i very honoured and humbled for you to come on the show. Uh, I'm really going to encourage everyone uh, out there to who's thinking about this because we, we're all spending most of our life working, so we might as well be investing in it and generating wealth and creating a an income for life. So i uh, really encouraging people to start thinking about the opportunity that's right in, in front of them. And uh, Bill... Uh, I want to thank you for uh, sharing all of your wisdom, and uh, keen to keep the conversation going.
0: I really enjoyed sharing it. It's uh, it's fun to have written a book and have it uh, a few years later discovered in uh, down under. I just I'm going to say anecdotally, one of one of my uh, enjoyment pastimes when I'm watching sports is to watch Aussie Rules football. Brilliant game. I love it. I'm not going to mention any teams, but I don't want to make anybody mad.
1: <laughs> no, it's a, it is a great sport. We we live in a great country. I've spent a lot of time in the, the US as well over the years, and we're very similar in a lot of ways. So we're uh, very keen to uh, maintain the conversation and keep digging into the subject. And uh, again, thanks for joining us on the show today, Bill. Thanks very much. Thanks for tuning in to Get Invested on the Property Hub podcast channel your home for property investment insights and inspiration. And don't leave yet until you've taken the next step towards living by design. By getting my award-winning book, Get Invested, absolutely free, when you sign up at knowhowproperty.com.au or bushymartin.com.au. And finally, make sure you subscribe to Property Hub to get your weekly dose of Get Invested inspiration, along with every episode of Realty Talk. Australia's leading property show for red-hot property investing news and insights, direct from industry leaders and influencers. Remember to always get invested in your knowledge, and I look forward to seeing you next time.